Well, hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I've got special guest James Nielsen on the line. He is awesome. We had uh, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I was on his show. And I just had to get him on mine because he is all about business entrepreneurship, how to grow a health fitness-centered business into a much more successful business. We talk about mindset. We talk about how to to skirt the line between you know, what is enough? What is fulfillment? What is what is priority in life in order to move to the next level and progress and leave a legacy and add as much value as humanly possible? How that involves parenting your kids. We talk about all kinds of things. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I learned a ton. I have no doubt that you will as well. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with James. <music> We're live. How are you, brother? I am really good, my friend. I'm glad to have you, man. I was on your podcast a few weeks back. We kicked it off talking about all things business, entrepreneurship, health, fitness. So I'm excited to get you on mine to just kind of yeah. get things started, man. Give, give me some insight. I want the audience to kind of hear some backstory on you, kind of what got you on this life trajectory that you're on currently. So, uh, well, yeah, let me give you some context. So I'm a, I'm a chiropractor by trade. Um, and I grew quite a successful practice, uh, and then I transitioned into the coaching space, and now I run a multi-million-dollar coaching program where I help health professionals to grow their practices and, and their businesses. And we work with coaches, trainers, and health professionals, so anyone kind of in the health service space. Um, but how I got to that was was quite inter- interesting. So when I was younger, I had um, uh, like my father left when I was young and didn't have the best relationship with uh, my mother or the rest of my family, and. Um, I had chronic anxiety and depression and all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff. And as I was going through chiropractic college, uh, it was really impacting me and how I viewed myself and view, viewed what was possible. And it really put all these kind of limitations and I just wasn't feeling good. And I didn't know that I had that stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I was doing like a psychology class that I realized like, oh man, actually I, I'm pretty sure I got generalized anxiety and I'm pretty sure it's pretty bad. So I went up to the front and told them and I said, no, you do. You should probably come and talk to me. So I ended up going and seeing someone and didn't really help, but it gave me some clarity on that this thing was real and you know, maybe it's something I need to change. And But it didn't change until it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve and have the life that I want to have and break the cycle uh, unless uh, I make this a priority. And in doing that, once that kind of happened, it, it put me in a completely different trajectory and it meant that you know by that time I had a practice and you know it was all, it was doing well but it wasn't I wasn't fulfilled by it to completely being fulfilled happy more successful than I ever thought possible and just really kind of being the rocket fuel to to get me where I where I am now and I like to mention that because I think that a lot of us we go through stuff and we just don't realize how much it's actually putting the handbrake on what's possible for us uh and our health, our happiness, uh, and our success, and in business, it's it's too many people that I talk to that that we have all these limiting beliefs around success, and it just holds us back, man. And uh, I and I became self aware of that, and I changed it. And you know, literally a, a decade later, um, I'm in a way different place, which is incredible. I love it, man. I love it. Love helping people shift that. Yeah. What What are some kind of like? I feel like a lot of people lack self awareness. I think self awareness is one of the uh, most important traits anybody should be able to just double down on and few people really have clarity on. So for you, what what were some, some just common trends or just like day-to-day 
uh, things that were happening that, that let you know something was off, but you didn't really have the self-awareness to know that, okay, this is an issue that I need to get, you know, addressed. What, what were just some, some symptoms, so to speak? I feel like, I feel like there's the, there's this, this tipping point that has to happen and it's, and it's a mildly painful, uncomfortable tipping point. It's like, I need to recognize that what I'm doing is not producing outcomes in the way that I want. And then I have to recognize that I'm the only one that can change it because no one else can come along and save me. Mm -hmm. There's no fancy tactic. There's no person. There's no nothing I can buy or like I, I have to change. And it's uncomfortable because I, and I just talked to a client about it literally before the show. And he said something really interesting. I don't know where he read it uh, and I'm, I don't want to butcher it, but he basically said like he heard that to, to change the old self needs to die to become the new self and that uh, the body and brain don't like to do that because it's it's painful. And I think that we all have to go through something similar. What I kind of added to my client was that I don't think that the old you has to die. I think you just have to trim off some of the crap. It's like diamonds. You find a diamond and it's a diamond, but it's not the type of diamond that you want to buy until you polish it by cutting back and you leave the you know, the perfect stone on the inside. And I think that we all have the potential, but we tend to, to, to get to where we are by the things that we do and don't do and the things that we believe. And so I think what for me, it was realizing that if I'm not having the life I want and I'm not, not achieving the thing that I want, then there's no excuse other than to blame myself and realize that where I am is accumulation of the things that I have done and haven't done. And it doesn't matter... Uh, like I'm not going to get into it, but like it doesn't matter what you've been through uh, or what's happened to you. It's just simply taking ownership and saying, you know what, all of that might be true. And I've done a lot of stuff with Tony Robbins and, and he talks about this, right? Like there's, there's stories that are true for us, but they don't help us. Mm-hmm. And then there are stories that uh, are not true and they don't serve us. And then there's stories that aren't true and they serve us. Now he doesn't say that, but but I like to say it like that because it just comes back to if, you, if you're telling yourself a story about how things are uh, and it's not serving you and it's not objectively true, then what if you just told yourself a better version of that story that wasn't objectively true, but lifted you up into a place where you could actually achieve some stuff. And having people like yourself on my show and the conversations we have, like I really start to realize that people at the top and whatever field they're in and whatever they're doing, they have a different view of how they see things. You know, They see them more positive than they are they see them with more abundance than might be what is objectively true. And people who are struggling, because I've done, a, I've worked with tens of thousands of clients uh, in the healthcare space, the ones who really struggle tend to have views that things are worse than they are. And they tend to have, you know, this, this lack of abundance, this scarcity view. And for me, it was that. Just everything was scarcity and survival. And I just realized that I had to change it. And so I started to just try and question why am I reacting like this? Why am I feeling like this? Why does that person have stuff that I want that I don't have? And what are they doing differently, thinking differently? And so I started, instead of talking to the people around me who didn't have anything that they wanted and were unhappy, I started trying to have conversations with people who were and really just accept what they said. Mm-hmm. Because m- immediately my brain just jumps in and goes, oh yeah, bullshit, but it's easier for you because you're rich or you're this or you're that. And I started to talk to people who had achieved the thing from similar situations to me and realized that I just got to accept what they're saying because clearly it's working. And whatever my friends and family are doing is not working. So maybe I should stop listening to them and start listening to these guys and see what happens. And that, that alone completely shifted my direction. Obviously, I've refined it over time now and, and how I do things. But that, that right there, the, mod, the idea of modeling someone 
it's just it's just so true and and i felt that myself i love it man there's two things that that you said that i want to expand on and one is that you know like obviously we're all the, the same people that we were at birth i mean it's like we've we've changed who we are at the the biological sense but being like for me my my big shift occurred when i when i did my first competition prep because that was just so it was such a a demanding physical and psychological journey for me that i just it was so far from anything that i had done prior to that but it manifested into just this complete and utter realization that anything that i want in life i can achieve if i if i put in the work and for me like after that was all said and done i viewed myself as being a completely different person than I was prior. Obviously, I was still Robert Sykes, but I felt like I was just reborn, reincarnated, whatever. Mm. And having that belief towards myself allowed me to get behind and get motivated and get inspired about having a total different outlook and shift in my day-to-day. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, obviously, again, you're not you're not changing who you are biology, uh, but having that mental shift into viewing yourself as a completely different person, I feel like that can can lend itself to the giving you the staying power necessary to create new habits and, and become better. And the second thing you said that I really appreciated is the fact that, you know, it, it's always your fault. Any success or failure you have is, is your fault. And I feel like that's something that I've really had to, you know, internalize as well because so many, I mean, especially this year, man, like 2020 itself, like there's so many things to point your finger at and put, place blame on. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's always on you, like own it. And if you're succeeding, then own that. If you're failing, then own that. But if you're not living the life that you want, then if you just accept 100% full responsibility, even if it's not your fault, if you view it as always being your fault, you're always going to come out better for it. Well, I'm going to add to that. I think that again, like things can happen you can lose a leg right Mm -hmm. and now your football career is over but your ability to be successful and content and happy in life is completely up to you Mm -hmm. because guess what there's someone else who doesn't have any legs totally and i've got his name there's nick sent i can't say his last name nick santanoski or whatever his name is Uh, amazing dude he's got no arms or he's got one arm doesn't have a hand uh no arm on the other side no legs uh, dude's a beast mm-hmm. and he's amazing and I follow him on Instagram and he says this it's like uh, you know you can you think you're having a bad day because you got something happened to you I got no legs and he is he's positive and he's successful and he's happy and it's and it's like things can happen ha- things can happen to you but really they're happening for you and it's your view of that situation that makes you change and there's plenty of books around this and there's all sorts of people talking about this and it's just realizing that that's actually true like my dad left cool it sucked massively for most of my life because i was a child and there was no one there to help me learn and understand a gift in that and what was possible for me in spite of that and so i it caused depression etc but it it didn't cause the depression my view of the situation and what i did and didn't do caused the depression but of course i'm a child at the time and didn't have the guidance to understand and navigate that effectively to mm-hmm. not have the depression so you could argue that him leaving created the depression but realistically my viewpoint is that it didn't it was my inability to process resulted in depression feeling sad is a normal response but having it take over your life for 15 years is what i didn't do or what i did do and that's where i think the key difference with this is is that stuff happens that may or may not be in your control but what you do have control over is your 
your self-awareness and your perspective. Everything could be positive or negative. If you believe that money's bad and then you win the lottery and now you're worth $100 million, you're probably going to hate yourself or you'll feel really bad about it and terrible, right? Because belief will shift perspective. So if you believe that money is the best thing ever and you find $5 on the road, you're going to be super happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's realizing that it's, it's all subjective. And so what you want to do is look at what you're wanting to achieve and think, what would that version of myself, which is me, I'm not becoming a different person. I'm just polishing the diamond. What would that polished version of me think and believe about life, about success, about money? And what would I need to believe now for me to become that person? Right. So if, if millionaire James believes that abundance is everywhere and that scarcity is the reason for failure, I'm going to try and live as abundantly as possible. And in doing so, I then naturally, and I'm not a believer in like manifesting things, but I think that what happens is your, your brain, when it's fixated on an outcome, finds a solution. Like yeah. if you've ever uh, bought a new car or bought a new T-shirt and suddenly you see it everywhere and you're like, man, I didn't realize that these cars were everywhere. I got a new uh, a new Tesla last year and now suddenly I'm obsessed with it and it's everywhere and I bought their stock and you know I see them everywhere and I'm I'm that that douchey guy who, who waves at the other driver <laughs> like it's this thing because my brain has just become immersed in it so that's all I see and so if you immerse yourself in the reality of what you're going to have in the future because it's inevitable a few things happen the first is your brain becomes fixated on it and it uses these certain parts of your brain that that direct you towards stuff. Like there's a part of your brain that if you hear a loud noise, your brain will immediately turn your head towards it. Or if you see a flashing light, your brain will immediately turn your head towards looking at it uh, because it's a, it's a survival mechanism. If there's suddenly movement, it could be a predator. So your brain will just turn your head. Like you might've experienced this yourself uh, or those listening. A, a noise happens. You don't think I'm going to turn my head and see what that was. You just do it. Mm-hmm. Similar systems and similar concept, when you're really fixated on an outcome, positively or negatively, you tend to find it in your, in your environment. Like if I said to you, and for those listening, if I said, don't think about an elephant, your brain pictures an elephant 99% of the time because I said elephant. Even though I said don't, it didn't hear that. It just heard how elephant. Now, if I, I don't know if you can hear this. I click my fingers and say elephant, elephant, elephant. Eventually, I can click my fingers and you'll see an elephant. It's basic conditioning. It's a psychology principle. And um, they did it with dogs when they brought them food and rung a bell and they would produce saliva even if there wasn't food there because they became conditioned for it. Depression, anxiety, um, poor mindset, failure, scarcity, all the negative type things are conditioned into us. All the positive aspects too abundance, contentment, love, happiness, success are conditioned into us as well. And we have more of an influence over that than our environment does. It's just we tend to go through life by default and let our environment dictate that. We watch the news. We we scroll through comments on Facebook, which is just absolute cancer. And we wonder why we think the world is scary and bad and money's hard to come by and all these things and life's difficult because that's all we see and it conditions us. But if you just change the narrative, change the conversation and go, I'm going to dictate what I let into my head and what I tell myself and what I focus on, then you condition yourself for the opposite or for whatever you're trying to achieve. 
you become fully immersed in it, your brain by default tries to find more of that because that's what you're focusing on. So for me, it was like I needed to become this person because that person, the successful version of James, would have certain beliefs and views about the world. And so I just began to do those things. And inherently, I start to, you know, air quotes, manifest the outcome, not because of some magic, but literally because if I'm focused on success, I tend to listen for people talking about certain things. I tend to interject into their conversations. I tend to network better. I tend to take opportunities that I didn't previously notice um, or realize were around me. And all of those things come together and culminate and ultimately me getting the result because I was fixated on it. And the last thing I'll say on that is the brain cares more about loss than gain. Everyone wants to have a million dollars, but not many people are willing to do the work to get it. Mm-hmm. And what that means is we like the idea of something. Do you know how many people I work with and reach out to me who want to grow their healthcare business um, and they really want to and they're telling themselves they do and when push comes to shove, they don't? And I can give them the blueprint and go, just follow this step and we'll double your clinic. And they don't because they like the idea of it, but they're not committed to it. They haven't visualized it and made it real enough that this is already happening. So they don't feel loss by not taking action. Like I bet when you were really in your state, success was already there. It was already in your hands and real and not taking the actions every single day or week or whatever was going to mean you lost the thing. That's what gets you to do stuff. Like if you if you want to be a champion golfer, you've already visualized winning, being past the trophy, doing the shots, everything's there. It's already happened. And so if I don't go to training, if I don't go to the gym, if I don't do this, I don't do that, I lose the thing that's already mine. I promise that you'll work harder. Imagine you had a, a beach house in Costa Rica and it's yours. I'm just going to give you the key in two years time after you put in the work. You're probably going to put in the work. Whereas if I said to you, let's you know, work towards you building up this dream and eventually buying a place in Costa Rica, suddenly you're having to create this thing, you're climbing up this mountain, it gets hard. And then there's no motivation. So you've kind of, you're tr- because you're going for a gain instead of uh, avoiding a loss. I try and gamify my success by focusing on the things that motivate me and loss is a big motivator for me. And it's, for most of us, it is. The pain of losing is more than the pleasure of gaining, which is why most people don't have what they want because they're trying to gain rather than not lose. You will not lose your crappy house, but you know if you're going to miss rent, you'll make it happen to find that rent so you don't lose your house. But you're not going to work extra hard to go and build the dream house. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I feel like a lot of people are, are living in such a comfortable setting that they they don't they're not as compelled to put in the work because it requires that amount of discomfort but they're they're comfortable enough that they don't absolutely hate their current situation and are incredibly motivated to fix it so many people live in this state of mediocrity and that they don't make any you know incredible strides forward or lose an incredible amount of ground either they're just staying complacent and that to me is just i mean that's just a slow death in itself Oh, complacency is a killer. It's the it's the it's the killer of of success and in, in most people is justified contentment. What I mean by that is, you might not be actually content, but you justify it to yourself because there's there's a feeling or belief of pain of going after something more. It's like I was talking to a client and they said, "Oh, you know, I want to achieve more, but I've got this belief that you know, achieving more means sacrificing and loss." 
you know, I'm going to lose time with my family and there's going to be loss associated with getting success. I said, well, that's bullshit. Um, I said, because I have more than I've ever had uh, financially and I have more than I've ever had in my family life and my happiness and my body and everything. What have I lost? I said, I've lost going out drinking on Friday nights. I've lost watching television for four hours. I've lost my Netflix subscription. But if that's an actual loss to you, then then sure, don't have success. But yeah. if you realize that it's not really a loss, you're just changing. Instead of watching Netflix, I work on my business and I get more fulfillment from it. Have I lost you know, chill out time? No, because I don't need it because I don't care because I'm not trying to escape anything because I feel amazing with the work that I do. So I think that your beliefs shape the actions you take and people, if you believe that success success requires loss or that success is bad or that having success means you're taking away from someone else, then of course you're not going to go after anything. And you're going to justify why you are content where you are and you will, you know, death by a thousand cuts uh, rather than, you know, something immediate. Instead of feeling immediate pain by losing, you know, that that dream future or those goals or whatever, you'll get to 90 and you'll look back and go, man, I probably could have done some more stuff that sucks but again you'll try and protect yourself which is what most people do it's it's by default it's our biology and you'll justify and your level of contentment right level at which you need certain things in your life to be content will lower and your expectations will lower and what 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 was once i need a nice house and a happy family is just i'm living in you know a bus and i have a bad relationship but at least my family's not dead Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like your your level of which you'll be okay with and being content will begin to continue to drop because you're not achieving what you ultimately want to achieve. And so to continue to justify not having that, you have to be, your contentment level lowers. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. So it's kind of like you need to create pain. Like there needs to be pain and not, Tony Robbins talks about this. I've done heaps of his stuff. He's amazing. Um, you got, you got to have pain and pleasure. If there's just pain, you'll you'll jump forward. Like if I... If I go up to a, it sounds horrible, I'm a vegetarian, but if I go up to a, a cat and I you know, try and burn the cat with a match, the cat's going to jump forward and then it will stop until the match catches back up again with it. I don't know why I'm using this analogy, it's horrible. <laughs> um, the cat's, it's going to jump forward and then it's going to go, oh, I don't like that, it's going to move forward. And then you'll go and burn it again and go, oh, that sucks and it'll move forward. They actually did a study with this now that I'm thinking about it. They had a dog in a cage and they electrified the floor and the dog would jump over the fence to the other side. Um, and every time it jumped over, it would then electrify it again and it would jump back. And eventually it just gave up and just stayed there. Even though there was a gap, right? Like if it jumped over, there was a period of time where it wasn't being electrocuted. It justified essentially to itself, well, might as well just stay here because electricity is going to come back on again. Like what, what's the point mm-hmm. going over the fence? Even though this, this relief, I'll just stay there. And so pain only motivates so far. But pain is, is the thing that for me, it starts the energy it gets the engine going and then the vision for what i want the gain is where i'm headed and the constant reminder of pain of my current situation and not having what i want and pleasure of getting it creates this 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 current this forward momentum you've got to have the positive and the negative for electric current right it's the same sort of thing for me and i use that and tony robbins teaches this stuff and i leverage that because if you don't have it if you don't have pain you're not going to do anything like if you don't say to yourself, you know, I'm not just mildly overweight and maybe not comfortable is how I would look. If you told yourself like I'm, I'm gross and overweight and fat and this is terrible and I must change, I'm going to die. You're probably going to do something about it. Like if my kid is 
in a burning building and there's alligators and barbed wire, I'm going to bust over that. I'm going to kick those alligators in the face and I'm going to go and get my kid. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to, I'm going to make it work because there's an immediate pain of not doing the thing, an immediate pleasure of saving him, an immediate reasons why and utter um, drive. Whereas back to the million dollar thing, there's no pain or losing weight or you know getting a beach body or whatever. There's no pain and there's no real pleasure and you're not visualizing and it's not real and you're not focused on where you want to go and you're not completely immersed in it. Then it just becomes one of those things that you're like, that'd be nice. And so then let you me don't ask, do it. Let me ask you this. I feel like you know you and I both very entrepreneurial minded. We view the word complacency with a very negative connotation. What about the word enough? Like, wh- how do you view that? I think that being content is is important, and and having enough is important. And I think that for me, the way that I see it is, I have enough of everything that I could ever want. Mm-hmm. I don't need more but I'm not doing it to get more. I don't work hard to get more. I don't work hard to have more because I believe that I don't have enough. What I'm doing is I've got purpose beyond just getting some stuff. Mm. My purpose is to create legacy for my family so that they don't have to go through and struggle like my family has previously uh, and set my kids and my grandkids up, but also to be a role model and to teach them things, to have more success because it's people who are successful who, who are able to give more and do more like not having anything is not going to allow you to help yourself, your family or anyone else. Whereas creating wealth and abundance and and health and happiness and finances allows you to give. If you're abundantly happy, you can go and give happiness to others. Like if you're abundantly wealthy, you can go and give money or resources to others. You know what I mean? For me, it's, it's, it's more than that. So when I look at it, I'm, I gamify my biology and say that my brain and my body are designed to keep me alive. What if I use that to allow me to achieve more so I can give more? But also, if you're not growing, you're dying is something that I that I live by. And that is that utter happiness comes from progression and giving back. So if I'm not progressing in something, it's a downward spiral because contentment is not fulfillment. Contentment is not happiness. Contentment is just, I have enough. But having enough only lasts so long because your brain is a survival creature. Your body's a survival creature. So it immediately needs something else to be working towards. So I just understand that it's a fine line between going after too much and creating pain and going after a lot to allow me to have progress and growth and development because it's not about what I get. It's about who I become during. Like I might set myself a goal of I want to fly to Europe, let's say. It's not about the money that I make or the, the, the flying to Europe because I could fly to Europe and not have a good time and then fly home. Like it's, it's not the thing. Or buying a – I'll give you a really arbitrary example. Like buying a Lamborghini. No one needs a Lamborghini, right? But maybe that's what drives you. And so having that as your direction – allows you to become this amazing entrepreneur and develop wealth and happiness and success that along the way you find other paths and suddenly you don't care about the Lamborghini anymore, but you do care about something else. And so you're using these things as a direction to go, okay, I'm heading here, not because I need or like I want the thing, but I don't need the thing and I know that, but I'm using it as the 
as a guiding light, so to speak, or a, or a beacon, like I'm heading this direction because my, my brain needs something to go after because of who I'm going to become in the journey, right? I've mm-hmm. become more confident. I've become more certain. I've been able to give back more. I've become a better father, a better leader. I've been able to help other people have success, overcome anxiety, uh, depression, have better lives themselves and therefore help people themselves to help people. You know what I mean? Like it's a flow on effect because I initially had selfish pursuits of me wanting to be better and to have more. And then I grew as a person as I went through that journey. But if you're limiting yourself because you're saying, well, you know, you should just be content and, you know, you have enough, like you don't need more. That's for me as a, as a broke mindset. That's a mindset that doesn't lead to anything because that doesn't help us innovate in life on this planet. It doesn't help us to achieve more like, someone had to come up with the idea of solar panels and to do that, they had to want more. Yeah. And so they became something to create this thing to allow us to have that thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all from that growth. Yeah. Um, I, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I view, I, I, I think this is comes with a, a massive degree of self-awareness like we spoke about earlier, but I feel like there, there can be a cap or there can be enough, and a sense of contentment with one's own physical possessions. But I don't think there should ever be a cap on one's desire to progress and leave a greater legacy, especially uh, in in the form of empowering others and just adding value. I think that is something that is, is one of the greatest attributes of innovation and keeps you mentally, physically, and emotionally sharp as you age. And I feel like that's personally where I want to to double down I mean yeah there's things that I want from a physical standpoint but I don't ever want that to be my sole guiding light I feel like initially if people are going through a, a certain degree of pain and suffering or just discontent being able to have those those physical possessions met so that they have that happiness is great because then they have the the firm footing on which to stand and figure out have enough self-awareness to figure out what it is that drives them on a deeper level. And once they determine that, that deeper level that drives them should always be continually improving as they as they go through life. 100%. Like money, money was not meant to make us happy. That's not why it exists. So people get it wrong. They talk about things like money's the root of all evil and money doesn't make you happy and things like that. And it, it doesn't because it's not supposed to. That's not its purpose. Money is a is a universal currency, so that we can have, um, like instead of me trading three chickens for one pig and then using that pig to go and trade it for three cows and then come back to you and buy more chickens and like it, it was it was a it was a universal flattener, mm-hmm. so that we had a currency to purchase things with, so that there wasn't people faking stuff and manipulating people and I go buy one liter of this from one village and then go to another one because it's less like it eliminated a lot of that so we just had a currency that's what it's for it's really just it's an an intermediate between the value that you create and the value that you can then get if I create a lot of value for you you give me a lot of money I can then use that money to create value in my own life in infinite number of ways I can't trade my ability to public speak and motivate, let's say, um, for chickens to feed my family. Mm-hmm. But I can because I'd have to find someone and that'd be difficult. But instead, I just easily find people that I can motivate with my thing. They give me some money. I then use that money to go buy chickens. Like That's, that's what money is, right? Mm-hmm. People attach their happiness to it because they think that having things will make them happy. Having things will never make you happy. 
because happiness is subjective. You can still be depressed in a Lamborghini. And that old argument of like, well, it's better to be depressed in a Lamborghini than it is whatever. It's like maybe, um, not, but until you, you kill yourself, like then yeah. what? You know what I mean? Like the, the inevitable progression of, of depression is just worse and worse until you, till you end it. It's horrible. So having more stuff is not going to solve that. But what money does give you is options. Mm-hmm. Money's afforded me the ability to do things and have things and see things and connect with people in ways that I couldn't before. Have different experiences, make things easier, right? Allow me to grow, all of that. And when I say have things, what I mean is like, uh, for example, I'm being arbitrary, but you can pay for medicines. You mm-hmm. can pay for experiences. I can have trips to Europe when I couldn't before. So I can expose myself to culture and people and learn about things. You know what I mean? I went to India and and when you go to India, you see some some real shit you know what i mean like if you've never been to india india will change your life because you you realize that that these the way that we we view life and and some things in western culture is is messed up because you'll have an entire like three generations of people living on the street cooking together kids are playing people are talking they're happy and content and then we're sad because the wi-fi goes down yeah you know what i mean um, so that's a different story. But the point is that money allows you to have and do and experience things that you can't without it because it's a, it's a value exchange item. So really, you want to be creating as much value as possible so you can collect the currency that allows you to experience value and give value in different ways, right? If I have more of the currency, I can go and build houses if I wanted to or get food or teach people stuff or give back or I can do whatever I want but it's not meant to make you happy. Your job is to make you happy. Your wife's job, your husband's job is not meant to make you happy. Your kids are definitely not meant to make you happy. Your job is to make you happy. And I think that's what people need to realize. Once they accept that, the game changes. Like once you accept, shit, I'm in control of my happiness. So you're saying to me that that person who abused me on the street and called me foul names, um, I don't have to react to that. I don't have to feel sad about that. I can I can not care. Like once that happens, the world changes. Your view of the world changes and suddenly what's possible changes. I know that the people are going to listen to this and go, oh man, I don't like this guy. I don't like his voice. I don't like his face. No, no, I don't man. Know, I like what he's saying. He's challenging it. me. And it's like, cool, sweet, good. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> then people, there's going to be others who love it. And, but you know what? And this is something that I've been doing recently. Uh, that has been amazing for my contentment is completely detaching myself from outcomes so i have a goal that's the direction i'm going in no more no less it's just okay i'm plotting a course to go north right and again it's about who i become right so it's i'm just going in that way but what i'm not doing is caring about the outcomes of any of my particular actions so coming on this podcast i don't care what happens i'm completely detached and i'm purely here to give value and have an experience for myself and with you doing anything in my business i don't care whether it makes me money or not because what happens is when you attach yourself to the positive outcome of something like expecting this to go really well and result in business or you know expect this you know the thing that i do to make more sales if if i'm attached to the positive outcome then inherently i'm attached to the negative outcomes as well and yeah. so if it doesn't produce the positive thing to the expectation that i had then i will not feel happy and that even tiny little bit of unhappiness will affect my state and my ability to do everything else for the rest of the day, week, month, year. 
And even if you're a super positive person, you can't not be affected by it, which influences your ability to continue to push and achieve more and do more. So by detaching myself from the outcomes has freed up mental capacity and emotional capacity to just do the stuff that needs to happen. And I know it's going to create a result, but I don't care if it does immediately or not. I'm doing all the right stuff, looking for it to create a result, but I'm not emotionally attached to the outcome of that. Does that make sense? Totally. A game changer. I've been really deep into stoicism for the past several years, and I feel like that is really well encompassed in the practice of stoicism. And on that topic, earlier this year when just, you know, shit was going crazy with COVID and, and businesses and everything, I, I started viewing life through a lens of, you know, like the words hope and fear get thrown around a lot. You know, you're either fearful of the future, you're hopeful of the future. Fear and hope are the exact same thing with different spelling. It's the exact same thing. Uh, so I've I've really tried to, as you say, just detach, do what I know in my heart of hearts to be true and, and right and, and just and, and, you know, very organic for me, but not not let the outcome dictate my emotions. Yeah, 100%. You, you said it right. Like, I'll give you an example, like a clinical one, like anxiety and anxiousness. Um, anxiousness is helpful. If you're walking around a dark alley, it makes you conscious of your surroundings to protect yourself and keep you safe. Anxiety is where it's not helpful. So me sitting on my by myself in my house with a knife next to me in case an attacker breaks in and plastic bags by the door when I sleep because then I'll hear someone breaking into my room like this paranoid level like I'm going to get attacked mm-hmm. is not helpful. It's not, it's not going to stop me from getting attacked. It's not going to help me have better defense if I do because the chances of it actually happening, it, it makes no sense. But what it definitely does is it affects my emotional reality and how I see my life and what's possible. And it pushes it down to this tiny little cube of horribleness whereas if i just didn't do that neither of those things change the the statistics on whether or not i do get attacked yeah but what it does change is my perception so when i used to fly i thought i was going to die the whole time i started and saying instead saying to myself well you know what if i die i'm going to have suffered the entire flight and then i die that kind of sucks what if i just really enjoy myself like i am going to die and then if i don't it's a bonus (laughs) so immediately suddenly my flights became way more fun because i'm like shit i'm gonna die anyway and so i was having like the dream of a time watching movies and you know just partying it up so to speak and guess what when i didn't die i didn't suffer as well because guess what if i don't die on the plane i suffered for no reason and and now it's perpetuating the cycle and so realizing that like you said fear and hope like you might as well think of things more positively because if the bad thing doesn't happen well, you had a better time. And if the bad thing does happen, you had a better time. Like yeah. either way, it just makes more sense to be more positive, um, but not attached to the positive. Not that it has to be positive. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not like it has to be good. Oh man, if this, if this, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch this movie and man, if this movie's no good, like it has to be a really good movie versus just going in and going, I'm going to enjoy myself no matter what. And I go watch this movie and I'm, pleasantly enjoying it but not attached to it having to be good yeah or the thing that i do in my business or whatever obviously business is an easier example but it's it's like that because then you don't have the fear because the fear it's not fear only makes sense in the short term when there's an immediate threat yeah if there's no immediate threat it doesn't help and if there is a threat make a plan Mm -hmm. solve it 
Otherwise, like then then stop thinking about it because now the plan's there. You mentioned before we started recording that that you're you're having a, a child next month. Is this your first? Second, I got a two year old, and another one coming. Well, congrats on that for sure. I've got a question in that. So, you know, you said you had lost your your father left you when you were very young, and these hardships and that pain was a, a massive catalyst for your growth. With you now being successful and focusing on leaving a legacy to your family, how, how do you how do you deal with the thoughts of, you know, am, am I going to be making it too easy for them and doing them a disservice in the long run? Like, how, how does that shape in your mind? I like that. Um, I do not think about that at all. <laughs> and the reason for that is that I don't, I don't subscribe to this idea that you have to struggle to, to be some kind of good person. Um, because I think that uh, that is a way that people with less and not achieving what they want tear down others to make themselves feel better about their situation because i uh, grew up uh, like we were poor um Mm -hmm. by western standards i suppose you could say right um single mom uh, on a benefit a tiny crappy house i could see the floor through my floorboards like it was freezing cold um no potential opportunity um compared to some of my other friends who had more right Mm -hmm. but your ability to have success is not dependent on where you where you come from. There's plenty of um, trust fund kids who never amount to nothing, and there's plenty of uh, broke families that amount to nothing as well. And I yeah. think that there's also the opposite: people who, who achieve a lot from both. I think that that mindset. I'm not saying you have it, but I'm just speaking generally. Comes from more of like a teardown thing of well, you know, I don't want to make it too easy for my kids because then that's not good, and because we have this view that wealth is bad, and that people of wealth are bad and that their kids are this and that. Um, I would say that objectively, if you considering that there are less people who are wealthy, um, the bell curve would dictate that people who don't have money are more of a certain way than those who do. So this idea that kids are a certain way and we become a certain way, if you've got money, it's bad and you know you become an asshole or whatever, it's just not true uh, objectively. Um, but I also think that what that does is it prevents you from understanding what's actually going on. You are privileged because, and I'm speaking to listeners here, you guys are privileged because you have the ability to listen to a podcast. Mm -hmm. There are people who are not. Did your parents set you up to have the ability to read and write uh, and have, you know, not be uh, abused or have a home and have food and have the internet and therefore you're privileged. And so, you know, you haven't struggled. It's like, no, right? It's just the, we, we are all better off typically than where our previous generations were because that's the nature of progression and they would look back and say these kids have got it too easy they get to go to school back in my day you know we slaved away building pyramids like you know what i mean like it's ridiculous so i look at it in terms of how do i give my kids an advantage how do i set them up with with my uh the the value that i've been able to create in my life and the and and the advantage that i've been able to create how do i give that on and teach them how to use that advantage because you give two people a million dollars, one of them buys Ferraris and loses it. The other one buys his houses and develops wealth in a dynasty. Why? Because they understand how to use the currency. They understand how to use the value that's there and the advantage that's present. Equally, a kid with nothing can still develop the property portfolio. They just have to work harder. I had to work harder maybe than some of my friends who had money and had connections. But 
it was my view of it because I'm still way better off than a kid in a in a developing country who's got nothing, right? I had a had it far easier than them. So to even act like mind life was hard is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Like people complain about they don't have anything. If you're making more than like five bucks a day, you're like top twenty percent of you're in the one percent. We're all top one yeah. percent. <laughs> yeah. We're all in the one percent. All of us. So all of this this conversation is is moot because it's like we're all on the one percent. So I think what it comes down to is how do I create such an advantage and then teach my kids how to see it as that and leverage it. Not by making them feel bad like, well, you know, there's kids that don't have this and blah, blah, blah. I don't believe in that either because I don't think that helps anybody. I think that you you help them realize the resources they have available and the potential that they have and that they can use those resources and that potential to become anything that they wish if they have the right work ethic and right mindset and right vision. Um, then I'm just setting them up to go faster and faster and faster. But we equally all have that. It's because again, this is all just perspective, right? Like I'm 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 broke compared to Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Right. And I might be rich compared to somebody, uh, a family living in the street in India. So it's all relative, but the mindset will overcome and the the, the strategy of how to adapt will overcome what objective resources you have or not. That's how I like to think about it. And then I just go, well, if I'm if I'm starting from that perspective, that means that my kid could have nothing and he'll always be successful. Yeah, I completely that means that agree. if I give him a whole lot, I completely agree. I feel like there's, um, you know, like 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 it is all perspective based, and I think there's a, I think there is some degree of dichotomy there because just as we were saying earlier, you know, if you're if you're super comfortable, you're less like you need to experience some sense of of pain in order to get that that engine running, that motivation, that inspiration to improve and progress. But I don't think that has to come in the sense of financially being broke. I think, yeah. you know, having the education, the the self-awareness, having the perspective to know what your opportunities are is is so key. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean, like I said, you don't have to be broke to have that. Um, I think you just have to, it's all about education, really. Like if you're, you know, I don't know how you parent your kids. I don't have any kids, so I can't really speak of experience here. But obviously, you, you know, your kids aren't going to be as broke as you were when you were their age. But if you do a better job at enlightening them as to what opportunity is, how they can manifest the opportunities and the opportunities they have presented to them, they're going to be better off for it and you will have left a better legacy. 100%. I think that I I just want to add something about that pain thing. And I had a realization as we were talking about it. I think pain is what's needed to motivate a person who's stuck in a pattern who doesn't have self-awareness. That will shift someone. Pain of finding out that you've got cancer suddenly makes you want to live your life better. And that's why people talk about like, I've got this new lease on life or I almost died. I got a new lease because immediately there's a pain of, holy crap, I almost died and it was almost all gone. So I better live my life better. You know what I mean? Or my my wife left me or I found out I got heart disease. Like these things suddenly change you because it's an immediate pain for someone who's otherwise stuck. For someone like me or you or anyone listening who's got, some self-awareness around them. You don't have to have pain, so to speak. You have to have hunger. Yeah, Hunger is a pain, but it's a driven pain. It's not a suffering pain. Like I don't have to, you know, come along and slowly pull your fingernails to make you go and find food. You just have to feel hungry in your stomach and you'll go and find food. So it's not really suffering. It's not a negative pain. It's a positive pain. Yeah, I like it's that. It's a, there's a hunger there, right? So for me, it's like, how do I develop hunger? How do I, f- when I talk to someone who's doing way better than me, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I feel pain. 
because I'm looking at it and I'm like, excuse my language. I'm like, fuck, like I got to work hard. I got to get that thing. I got to because that I it, there's competitiveness, there's drive, there's hunger for more, and I know what I can do when I have the resources. You know, I know what I'm going to do with the money. So therefore, I know that I need to go and collect it because I know what I can do with it to help people or whatever, right? So it's like I got this hunger. So I think that you have to help uh, the people around you, your kids, etc., develop that hunger for growth and progression, and not having things, but just feeling. Because anyone who's successful in anything has immense hunger to want to have more, to be better. That's what the human experience is, is improving yourself. You know, if you, I know people who speak a bunch of languages. Why the hell do they want to speak a bunch of languages? You've got Google Translate on your phone. Mm-hmm. Because they have a hunger to have an experience and to be a certain way and to know certain things and to have experiences that I can't have because I can't have a fluid conversation with someone in French. Yeah. I have to use Google Translate. I can get what I want and I can be content, but I'm not growing. There isn't progression and challenges and there's no hunger there, right? So it's like understanding, like it doesn't matter what it is. So uh, in terms of like my son, for example, he's not even two years old and he's he's saying like three and four word sentences. I said to him, I said, Milan, where are you? And he said, Milan under blanket. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> my kid just, he was he had hidden himself under the blanket. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's telling me these things. He, like he he points out colors he, he'll go and get the red ball instead of the green ball if I ask for it. If something's lost, I'll say, Milan, the green ball is by the plants or in the kitchen. He'll go over there and find the green ball instead of the blue one that's in the kitchen. Like le- levels deep of understanding. Because you start to realize when you're trying to teach your kid language that you can't just say, go and get the ball. Because it's like, which ball? The big one, the small one? You know which ball it is and so does all the adults because you've got experience, but he doesn't know. Does he mean the round thing that looks like a ball, but really it's an orange? Like there's all these layers of, of, of depth. And what I've done with him is, is we've worked with him to have this fun and joy and, and hunger of learning. So he wants to know what things are and how they work. And, and he loves hearing about me explain the thing to him. And, and, and that has given him an advantage in his language development and his socialization, which I've only known about because I'm a health professional and I learn the stuff and I, and I love human success. And so I've given him the advantage to achieve more because I've done more myself. So that kind of ties it back into your original question. But but yeah, like I think that's yeah. I'll, no, I'll I, leave it there. I love it, man. I think I think viewing it through the sense of if you've already got momentum, if you've already if you're already progressing, focusing on staying hungry as opposed to inflicting unnecessary pain is key. You know, I think I think that was that put it very eloquently. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm curious, man, and I, I feel I would feel like I would be remiss if I did not ask this question since you are on the Keto Savage podcast. In your cat burning analogy, you you mentioned that you're a vegetarian. What what's the motivation behind that? <laughs> um, I just I just didn't I just don't like eating animals. It was purely just like a I I always thought about it. And I I was always like this. It was like if I had to go and kill it to eat it, I'm probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, what does that say about me? That says that. I don't want to kill things. And so why would I be eating the thing that I'm not willing to go and go and kill to do? Cause I'd feel bad. And so when I look at a, an animal, I'm like, man, I don't want to take your life. So I just, I just, I have no judgment. I'm not, I don't have any judgment of anyone, but in my situation, that's for me, it was like that. I was like, man, I don't want to kill this thing. Um, so therefore I'm, I shouldn't be eating it. And then, um, but I know that in the same token, if I'm living on an Island, like I'm going to go and kill that pig because I got to feed my family. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to say, thank you, buddy, for, for giving me nutrients to, to, for my family, but 
my priority is my family. But when I have options, I just I just don't. Um, no, that, that's solid reason, man. I, I respect that for sure. I feel like so many people in the in the meat eating space they 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 put a a curtain between them and reality of where that meat comes from, and I had little respect for that. So I feel like you back self awareness. I mean, you, if you're not willing to do it and you prefer not to, I mean, I'm, I could totally get behind that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the irony, right? When you're saying that on the keto savage, but that's um, <laughs> that's kind of yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Like yeah, I just think of it like that, and so I just and I'm my wife's um, like Persian Indian, and so they have ridiculously nice vegetarian food, and so I've always just done that. And whenever I was eating it, I felt weird about it so i went okay but i feel like i i may transition back like i'm not fixed i just am currently in that flow um if i started to understand the situation better and and that's what i'm researching at the moment to be honest but um because you know um dave asprey mm-hmm. yep. from uh the biohacking guy mm-hmm. he was full vegan for a long time and uh, i don't i don't like animal products generally speaking because most of them are animals are treated like shit mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of rough for the way that we get the things that we want to use um, and he was full vegan but he started changing because of the health issues associated with veganism and or the lack of uh, potential that could be realized by consuming animal products um, and so I'm not in that phase of life at the moment to be looking into things I'm focusing on other things um, and I'm kind of <laughs> content, I suppose, because I'm not hungry, no, no pun intended, um, <laughs> to progress that. But that's definitely in my view is like looking at what I'm doing. And the next level is looking at optimizing for me. And so I'm going to be looking to all of that stuff to, to make sure that I'm making uh, the right choices around that for my health, my family, et cetera. But if I was to, to go and have meat, it would be something that I would want to uh, be part of the process and reconcile the process. Um, it wouldn't be farm-based stuff. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I'm very against just the, the factory farming. I mean, I, I don't want any animal to suffer, so I'm on the same. I mean, I just came back from a hunting trip, and, you know, the the, the food that I consumed, I harvested myself. And I feel like having the full circle uh, spectrum is definitely the way, to, the way to do it for sure. I mean, I've had several uh, ex-vegans that are now, you know, keto or carnivore on the podcast, and they've dove deep into why. Uh, I mean, I... I if you ever want to dive deep into the nutrition aspect, man, I mean, shoot, let me know. We we can go that route for sure. I'd love to. I'd love to share with you any knowledge that I've gained. And if you ever want to go hunting, I've got you covered there too. <laughs> Dude, if it, in my my ideal world is if if we could get everything and not have to to kill, I feel like that'd be be better off. That's right. That's how I view it. Whether that's right or wrong, or whether people agree with it or not, that's how I see things. And but because that's not an ideal world, and we can't do that, I'm open to. What's going to allow me to have the full experience, but minimize the suffering? That's kind of how I view things. No, I, I'm, so I'm on the same page there. Yeah. Get you know, optimize while minimizing the suffering. I think that is that that is. I mean, if you talk to people, if you talk to most uh, avid hunters, I mean, count that most avid hunters are you know very very deep conservationists, and they care very much so about the animals uh, that they harvest. So. Yeah, I think I think minimizing suffering, having respect for the animals, and, and viewing it through a, a full circle of life spectrum is the best way to go about it for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you on that one. Yeah. What what farming about, is what has, sorry farming is what um, dehumanizes the experience. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what makes people, and then the marketing industry that goes on top of that uh, makes people completely detach, um, less. 
I want to I want to say less in New Zealand. I feel like we, from my experience, like I'm, I'm not in America, but you know, from people I've talked to, I think there's there's a lot of that commercialization around these sorts of things, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people detach and they just have no idea. Um, whereas farming's quite close to New Zealand because there's farms literally like ninety percent of our land mass is farms or something. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, uh, it's like this dehumanizing and detachment from it, and so that the animals are not treated like being an animal, and people don't understand, and so then we get this over manufacturing of stuff to to fill a demand, and we overbreed chickens to have giant breasts when they don't naturally and all this kind of weird stuff happens and so yeah i think going back to that that, like you said i I like that i like that anyway i digress no no it's it's we're speaking the same language we've just come to two two different uh two different outcomes but yeah i mean if you ever want to dive into that that's that's definitely my passion i mean the regenerative agriculture scene is gaining a lot of popularity right now which is great because that's that's you know looking to reverse just the, the negative connotation that comes with uh you know the factory farming the the animal suffering that i think we all, all should should move, move far away from that because that's just not optimal uh yeah. for human you know health and nutrition or for the animals obviously um so yeah we're, we're speaking the same language there what about from the business perspective man what do you have in the pipeline what's what's got you excited um, my podcast is just properly launched, which is super exciting. Um, I've got uh, I'm redeveloping my accelerator program, which is where I help uh, healthcare practices to um, fix their volume client volume problems. Um, and I'm building out my mastermind program at uh, much higher level. This year is this year is all about client delivery. How do I just change the game in terms of the, the gap between me and anyone else just being insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, the last two years, like I started my thing uh, t- 2019. Son was born, started it in like February within eight months, hit 100 grand a month, been growing it up and down through this year. COVID's been, it's been a really good year in spite of everything. Um, 2021 is just going to, it's going to be gone from how do I get the sales process in place? Cause that's what takes you to get to a million bucks as a sales process. And then un- after that to get to eight figures is just going to be all about client delivery. So I'm working on so much stuff and just making the gap insurmountable between me and anyone else. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun showcasing the value. And like we talked about value is, is, is the currency. And so everything that I'm doing in podcasts and stuff like that, like just about value, um, Value and legacy, not trying to get something out of it because I'm detached from the outcome. So that means that I'm I'm free to just focus on giving as much value as possible and caring, not caring if someone finds it valuable or not because I inherently know that it is valuable. And um, that's what I'm looking at doing this year. It's going to be really fun. Big things are coming. That's awesome. I think viewing all business decisions through the lens of adding value and leaving a legacy is, is the best. The best That's the best way to do it for any, anybody wanting to get into entrepreneurship or just beyond entrepreneurship. I mean, I feel like that... It's just it motivates your decisions, it motivates your actions to be placed in the right trajectory to add the most positive outcome to everybody involved and it goes so far beyond the bottom line and just total revenue. That comes with it, but it's not the motivating factor for it. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like money is money's the the way you keep measure that you're heading in the right direction. Because if you don't track it, your business will will die because mm-hmm. you'll buy more stuff than you will make. Um, but it, it's it's the value that that's why it exists. And the, the, the money side of things is is the measurement and, and the bonus. Um, you know, you get to have nice things and whatever. But it, it's when you're when you're value orientated and driven by that, you you achieve better outcomes. I tell my clients the same thing. Like if you're focused on money, you think short term. Mm-hmm. And 
short-term creates problems because it's unsustainable and unleveraged and you're going to have to keep hustling. And it's not a business. A business is an entity. An entity has people and people stick around because of value. So it needs to always come back to value. Otherwise, you make short-term decisions and burn yourself out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you look at it through that lens, I mean, adding value, that's literally where your job security comes from. That's how you build something that lasts into your legacy. Um, so, yeah, I think... Well, how do, you keep, how do you keep your job? How do you keep your job? You be more valuable than mm-hmm. the next person so they get fired instead of you. Yep, yep. Right? <laughs> like, how do you grow your business? You be valuable. How do you keep clients? You be valuable. How do you keep your wife? Be valuable. Because if you're not, if you're not, and if you're just a pain in the ass and they lose the love, then they're gone. Value is everything, man. 100%. Could not agree more, brother. Well, where can people go to find out more about you, man? Um, they can check me out. I made a, a link for today, so I've got some resources that everyone can check out that I think will be super relevant. Um, if you go to healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash savage, healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash savage, there's a bunch of resources there. If you're a health professional and you're looking at growing your business and and making more money and helping more people and having more freedom, um, there is that's what I do. That's my bread and butter. And so there's loads of stuff uh, on that that you can get access to, podcasts, trainings, uh, my Facebook group, things like that. That's all on the page. If you're just looking at how you can have some more happiness, more fulfillment, more success, then there's resources there for you as well to check out on that page. I try and create uh, some equality across the across the deliverables. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will certainly link out to that. Keep killing it, man. I'm excited for everything you got in the pipeline. You know, the, the new child coming up next month, all the business moves, just everything in general. I mean, I'm glad to have met you. I was honored to be on your podcast a few weeks back, and I'm just excited for what's to come, man. So stay in touch and, and keep me in the loop, brother. I will. Thank you so much for bringing me on the show. I really appreciate you and hope, they, uh, hope everyone listening got some value. Absolutely, man. Take care, James. <laughs>